0: Doc's Watch is meant for entertainment purposes only and not, I repeat, not meant to give medical advice or diagnosis. Always consult your doctor and not your podcast host if you have a medical question, concern, or ailment. Enjoy the show.
1: Watch, the show where real doctors tell you what's real, what's not, and what's maybe possible in your favorite movies and TV shows. I'm Dr. Jen. And I'm Dr. Deepa. In our inaugural episode coming at you just in time for Valentine's Day, we talk about Iron Man's mechanical heart, which, as we learned, is not actually a heart.
0: And we'll try to answer some of the questions raised by the Iron Man movies, like how would you do heart surgery in a cave? How does an arc reactor work? And what even is heavy metal poisoning? Enjoy!
1: Okay, so let's go to rounds. Deepa, you went to MIT, so you probably know all of the physics. How does an arc reactor work?
0: So here's the thing. You are correct. I did go to MIT, um, and I did technically take courses in physics, Um, but I did end up looking up a lot of things that have to do with an arc reactor. So the first thing I will say is that an arc reactor is not a real thing. Um, but there's a couple of, yeah, it's not real. Did you know that Iron Man is not real? (laughs) Why Um, did you
1: destroy all of my hopes and dreams?
0: (laughs) I'm sorry. That's what I'm here for. We aim to please. Um, so the... The thing about the arc reactor is we get a couple of glimpses of it throughout the Iron Man series in a number of different ways. So there's like these scenes where they go and look at the arc reactor that powers like all of Stark Industries. And it's like this big sort of donut shaped machine thing with a bluish glowing like thing inside it. Um, and then there is
1: has to glow blue by like law in the MCU universe because that's how you know it's good.
0: I guess so, but the Tesseract, isn't the Tesseract also, doesn't it also glow blue?
1: But the Tesseract isn't necessarily just evil inherently, it's how you use it.
0: I suppose.
1: Okay. Evil things are lime green.
0: Let's just be very clear. Yeah, that's true. Just across the board. Yep. Um, So, anyway, so it's like blue glowing, and it's like in a sort of what we would call a torus shape, which is just a donut. Um. And then you get the, of course, the mini arc reactor, which is what Tony Stark ends up having in his chest uh, for the first for the first two Iron Man movies and then eventually gets taken out later. Um, And then there is I guess those are the two main things. And then we see the like there's like uh, various scenes that have blueprints like designs for an arc reactor. So. There's actually a few articles online from Gizmodo and other places that have looked into what theoretically this device is supposed to do. Um, And just looking at it, trying to figure out like what is the physics or the scientific sort of uh, function or process that it's going through. So the way it looks, having, you know, the donut shape and a light going through it, It looks most like some kind of fusion reactor, which is essentially a device that itself doesn't really exist in like a real form in the world, but is like a theoretical possibility that people have tried to make and have somewhat been successful in making in different places. But a fusion reactor is basically this device where you're trying to um, take charged particles, so certain elements that have a charge, and you use a magnetic field to spin them around in circles at really, really high speeds to basically get them to crash into each other. And when they crash into each other, they release energy. And then the idea is that, like, we could harness that energy to use it to power whatever it is we need to power. Is Um, that like the Large Hadron Collider?
1: But, like, we don't use that to make energy. We just use that to try to find other particles.
0: Yeah. It's kind of, yeah, it's basically like that. Um, it's, it's exactly. So the large Hadron Collider is done for like to do experiments, whereas a fusion reactor is like made to harness energy. Um, one of the things that they were pointing out though, is that, so these types of reactors, whenever you create energy in this way, like it gets released as heat. And so there's like nothing that's like cooling down the arc reactor that's powering all of Stark Industries. And more importantly, there's nothing that's cooling down this thing that is like in the middle of Iron Man's chest. (laughs) So there was a clip of uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about it at like this National Geographic something or other where somebody asked him, is an arc reactor possible? And he was like, it's only impossible because it would just melt everything around. So if it was working in that way, then it would like melt the container that it's in it would obviously melt Tony Stark like there was just (laughs) too much heat Um, and there's nothing that's like cooling it down so then the flip side of that is like okay so let's say it's not making heat and it's just making electricity directly Um, one guy looked into it and kind of came up with an explanation because it uses uh palladium there's like a scene in the first iron man where they're collecting palladium from like all these pieces of scrap weapons um and there is like a theoretical possibility that you could do cold fusion which is like this same thing where you're creating um electricity but this way you're not you know releasing heat with it that involves like complicated Ways to transfer electrons between different types of palladium isotopes, and I read this like gizmodo theoretical article like fifteen times, and I like barely understood it.
1: But the bottom- I also feel like you couldn't do any of this in a cave.
0: It's not. It's not you. A definitely couldn't do it in a cave. These like so one of the things about the Large Hadron Collider and all of these sorts of things is like for these to work well, every sort of surface has to be really, really clean. There can't be, like, little pieces of dust and stuff everywhere because it can mess up your, like, whole reaction if there's, like, all these particles that you couldn't account for, you know, like, in there. And so everything has to be really clean. You could not, you definitely couldn't do it in a cave. Um, And it's just, it doesn't seem possible. And then there's other things about it, which we'll talk about later in terms of, like, how it actually works in his body of, like, you know why do you need to plug it into something like what is it actually doing so ultimately how the arc reactor works quote unquote is like not a real thing because it shouldn't work like (laughs) there's no way that it would actually work
1: so basically it's not possible
0: i don't yeah it's not possible in the way that it's like depicted in iron man okay
1: so let's take all of that MIT informed information that you just gave us. Yeah. And ignore it and say that it it is possible. It's possible. And ask the question, why did Tony even need an arc reactor? So this is a little bit of a recap situation.
0: Yeah. So we'll, I guess, focus mostly on the first Iron Man movie because that has like most of our information about the arc reactor.
1: Yeah. The focus on the subsequent two aren't like arc reactor central you know yeah. like it's not centering the arc reactor because he already has one yeah um so a lot of this is just arc reactor later on. stuff. on yeah. yeah i mean iron man one stuff just yeah. i have arc reactor on the brain okay <laughs> so basically the in in iron man one um tony wakes up in this cave after being okay you saw this more so you're gonna have to correct me because this is just like me trying to recall but i think he was like at some kind of weapons demo, got essentially kidnapped and then right. wakes up in a cave because terrorists want him to build weapons for them.
0: Yeah, basically like he he's in this like caravan of cars and then there's these explosions like they blow up a bunch of the explosions, a bunch of the cars and like he Tony Stark gets knocked out and then he wakes up in the cave. But the best part about him waking up in the cave is he wakes up with an NG tube in <laughs> and it's like. You know, I think they're trying to tell you, like, something has happened to Tony, but he's not dead. I think it's like a
1: body horror thing that people like to do because it seems so, like... Terrible to most people like, to have a tube in your nose. Yeah. But doctors like, are actually like, yeah, that's he awesome. very
0: like <laughs> dramatically pulls it out. And I was like, wow, they've like decompressed his belly. What if they're giving him nutrition? <laughs> so like he could have been out for god knows how long. I mean, he doesn't yeah, need a but breathing they were tube or anything, him But like you were feeding him. And I was like, good for them. I mean, you know, they did something right for him. <laughs> so he like dramatically pulls out this NG tube and then he rips his shirt open. Because he sees that there's this car battery right next to him, and he sees, you know, in the middle of his chest, this, like, magnety looking thing.
1: Oh, that's right. Because in the explosion, he ended up getting hit by a bunch of shrapnel, and they put this thing in his chest, an electromagnet in his chest, powered by this car battery, to keep the shrapnel from reaching his heart.
0: Yeah. Which is, like, the weirdest explanation of something. Well, it doesn't make any sense. Also, like, what kind of terrorists are you? Like... You wanted this guy specifically to build weapons, and yet you've somehow captured him in a way that makes it so that his chance of dying was essentially ninety nine percent if not for this <laughs> one other like surgeon that you have also captured
1: i mean yeah, that's true i, I suppose the nutrition thing was probably a surgical consideration oh yeah. like by that doctor it's and definitely not by the that doctor's idea
0: so. Yeah. What they the the explanation that so then this the doctor whose name escapes me, but he gives this explanation because I'm gonna Tony, look it up real
1: quick while you're talking.
0: Tony is like freaking out because he's like, "What is this thing in my chest? What's going on?" And um, he gives this explanation that he has you know seen this before from an explosion. There's all this shrapnel in the chest, and you know Yinsen. Yinsen? yeah. There's this, like, risk of these tiny pieces of metal, you know, traveling throughout your body and destroying your organs. So he explains that what it seems like he did was do some kind of surgery where he did get, like, the big pieces of shrapnel out, but that there were still pieces in there that he either couldn't get to or couldn't necessarily see. And so his solution to that was to put in an electromagnet that... (laughs) suspends these tiny pieces of metal like in space and it's yeah. hooked up to a car battery to to power it
1: which i feel like even if you were like okay i'm gonna do surgery in this cave and my patient is not gonna die of sepsis <laughs> like even given that i don't think any surgeon would be like hmm, you know what I'm going to do to keep the shrapnel from for some reason reaching his heart? Because maybe it's in circulatory system. Um, I'm going to put an electromagnet in his chest.
0: It seems like such a strange solution to this problem of having tiny pieces of metal in the chest. So um, one of the things I was thinking about. So there's a couple of things. So the first um, the first thing that you th- I see when I look at it is that. He has essentially what I looks to me like a car cup holder, like in the middle of his sternum. <laughs> right. You know, so right. that means that in order to like in order to put something like that in, you have to saw through that entire bone. And then after you've done that, create like a circular space by sawing <laughs> through additional bones like your ribs, like all the things you try to avoid. (laughs) cutting when you're doing any other kind of surgery so um because you can get like bad sequela from that like scoliosis and stuff if your ribs and stuff don't heal right and so he has to make this huge incision to put this cup holder in to like (laughs) make the shrapnel float in space which itself doesn't make any sense so like thinking about what it is he's trying that he sees and is trying to avoid it sounds like he saw the way he describes it he says there was, um, the, the shrapnel was heading towards your atrial septum.
1: Right. And, and he says earlier, I think that, uh, like if he hadn't done this, Tony had about a week before he would The die. shrapnel pieces reached his quote unquote vital organs.
0: Yeah. And I was like, why don't you just put like a filter or something in? Like, <laughs> you're so worried about it.
1: Um, yeah. Like if you're a cardiothoracic surgeon, it seems like he would go there first before electromagnet.
0: Yeah, before lecture, there's, like, a million things you could have done. Or, like, maybe just use the magnet to, like, pick the pieces up. Just open the heart up a little bit. Just put a magnet right over. The piece will fly right up. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, so he's, like, worried about the pieces being in the bloodstream. And so he's just trying to, like, freeze them in place. So I thought about the actual surgery <laughs> that this would be. And so I came up with the following... Um sort of series of events so i think in the real world this would probably be done by a combination of a trauma surgeon and a cv surgeon sure because he was like
1: in an explosion yeah yeah and like assuming hypothetically if you were in a, a tertiary medical care institute he was in an explosion gets wheeled in basically to the trauma bay. Yeah, starts and there and then like they call CT surgery.
0: And then the thing is like the obviously the shrapnel came from the outside and had to go into his body. So that means that to get into the bloodstream that it's like pierced all these parts of your vessels. So he's probably like high risk of bleeding everywhere. So right. you need definitely multiple so you also need surgeons. A vascular surgeon. Yeah, so you need like I think the trauma surgeons can do a lot of that stuff but like yeah. So you need like a bunch of different surgeons to do this. So if the idea is that you the magnet is needed to keep these pieces of shrapnel suspended, then that magnet needs to like be in the room near Tony like from the start. Okay.
1: And That's not fair. only
0: that like in the right spot. Like you so, right. so somebody's like holding it. And they have yeah. to know. Yeah, and know they have I mean? to
1: have basically like a C-arm, like a continuous X-ray situation, so you can see like at what point do all the shrapnel pieces stop moving? Like yeah, when like you're moving are they the moving? So you
0: spend. I can see this taking easily one hour to figure out exactly where the magnet needs to yeah. be.
1: Because as a surgeon, you would be like, hopefully, I can put it somewhere where there's more real estate.
0: Yeah. So then the next thing that needs to happen, so let's say they got the uh, magnet in the right place and all the pieces of metal are suspended. Yeah. Okay. So then what they would do is do a median sternotomy, which is um, how we do heart surgery, um, which is, you know, making a sawing through your breastbone or your sternum um, from top to bottom and then spreading it open to get to your heart. Um, And so like making a little window into your chest. Then the first thing so one thing I wasn't sure if if it would be needed or not is if they needed to put him on cardiopulmonary bypass or not. Hmm. It seems like something that they probably could do on a beating heart because I would imagine that the shrapnel is mostly on the outside right. um and like maybe like piercing the ventricle, you know, in certain places. Um, but he does describe shrapnel being on the inside of the heart hashtag, atrial septum right um and uh so like if that is the case they need to go into the heart then you'd want to put somebody on the heart lung machine um in order to make sure that like the body gets oxygen and the all that stuff like Like if
1: you were going to remove those pieces
0: yeah and while you're like mucking around with the heart so the first step would be to decide that so so you definitely couldn't do this in a cave no then you remove the shrapnel that you can see and get to and then like I guess you would have to do like a bunch of imaging to figure out like what of the remaining pieces you can get out and what you can't yeah right so like a bunch of x-rays from all angles and then I feel like you should he should have like you should take a lot of time to get out as much as you can because your solution is bananas (laughs) Um, this is
1: this is way past a last resort kind of
0: thing yeah so then you're like okay great then you figure out that the somehow you figure out that the best place to put your electromagnet is directly in the center of his chest which like the part of the sternum like when you look at the um pictures of tony stark and like you you see where the arc reactor is if they were to put that the other thing about it is there's other scenes where like you know, Pepper has to like reach into that cup holder. Like it's pretty deep. It's like her whole hand goes into it.
1: Yeah. And so past her wrist.
0: Yeah. And so like it's probably sitting, you know, it's a little bit higher up than like maybe where your right ventricle would be. But like your right atrium is likely right there. Um, (laughs) So the chances that it's compressing your heart are like pretty high. So they would have had to like move his whole heart over to make room for this thing. Sure, sure. So then you have to cut, like, another circular, like, you have to saw out a circle from the middle of the sternum, Uh which means that you have to then attach, like, the the ribs that were attached to that part of the sternum, (laughs) like, to the outside of the cup holder. And so you have this huge circle, and then you have to put that in, somehow figure out a way to attach the ribs to the cup holder, put the magnet in, like what you know like we usually close sternums with like these big wires to like cuz they're your bones you know like <laughs> to put your bones back together so you have to close the bones above the cup holder close the bone below and then like figure out a way to like Cross see- your fingers seal and hope it. for the best yeah put the magnet in hook it up to the car battery and then like hope for the best i
1: so like through this, I like that you thought through this process, and now the only thing I can think about is the surgical team that ultimately removes the arm <laughs> oh, yeah, They take from his chest They're are going to like, open what him the up and this? be like, what the fuck is happening here? Why are the ribs glued to this
0: cup? <laughs> <laughs> like, They're looking at each other like, oh my god. We're going to have to rebuild ribs are glued to glued, his sternum. <laughs> the ribs are glued to the cup. And so like, so he has, no, so the thing is, he should have an enormous scar, like from basically the area, you know, like everybody can kind of feel like where their sternal notches. It's that like little sort of V shape um, at the top of your breastbone. So there should be a scar yeah, between that goes, your collarbones. Yeah, between your collarbones. So there should be a scar that goes from there to the bottom of like where your ribs are. It's the bottom of your sternum. You're and they are telling maybe me a little that bit below.
1: Yensen couldn't just... Just cut a hole. Like, drill a chest, hole in the middle of it. And do chest. all of this from there.
0: You know, I'm thinking, no. I'm thinking, though, if that's what he did, no wonder he couldn't get all those pieces of shrapnel out of there.
1: That's also true. Yeah. But also, Yinsen is either, like, a ridiculously good or a ridiculously terrible surgeon.
0: He's somehow both. I mean, he lives in a <laughs> cave right now. So, he's probably a really good surgeon that is hampered by his cave inhabitants.
1: Imagine what he could do. Had he had with a full OR team, yeah, like a suite,
0: he would have we would have never had the art mini arc reactor, is (laughs) ultimately what would have happened.
1: Oh man, but then we would never have Iron Man.
0: I mean, yeah, that's true. So, anyway, the other thing is that the way he describes it, it doesn't seem to need to be plugged into anything on the inside, but it's still plugged into something so we'll talk about that at the end so um yeah so the arc reactor after all of that is essentially just a fancy magnet that is keeping shrapnel suspended in his body so that it doesn't like go into his circulation and start killing his organs
1: which also seems kind of unnecessary because i feel like i mean unless somehow the shrapnel is literally in arteries yeah like because most likely shrapnel is just in soft tissue
0: yeah like usually stuck.
1: shrapnel doesn't move like once it's there yeah like you remove what you can but this is also why the whole movie thing about digging bullets out doesn't really make any sense because depending on where the bullets are sometimes you just leave them there because yeah. it's just it's... like doesn't make that much of a difference yeah um so like unless somehow i guess it is in his arteries i just
0: i mean he has to have seen it in the artery like that's the only reason also, to how did he see it this? in the arteries how would you even know i mean he cave. has a very sophisticated imaging suite <laughs> in his
1: case in the back of the cave you yeah. just don't see they it they can in do the full-on
0: cardiac cats <laughs> they sent it through one ct scanner and he just looked to see where all the artifact was
1: <laughs> oh man is yensen I mean, you're not gonna know the answer to this question because <laughs> you can remember his name but is Jensen a surgeon or like a cardiologist or a ct surgeon i don't remember
0: I, I don't remember either. Do they even say? I, I just assumed he was... I don't
1: think was... they say in the... I don't know that they say it in the movie. I
0: think he's just like non-specific doctor.
1: Oh, the yeah. way that the, most the, of the these movies are. The usual
0: non-specific
1: doctor who knows yeah. all of the things and can do everything.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay. So anyway, so that's how I think the arc reactor went in. It's a scene that we've, you know, for better or for worse, did not see. Um. <laughs> so then there's a scene later on that I sort of alluded to, which is that... Um, Pepper, so he has this, his, like, jerry-rigged mini arc reactor from the cave, but then he gets, once he gets back to L.A., I guess he lives in L.A. Yeah, it looks like Southern California. Yeah, I think it's L.A. Um, he builds, like, a different one, like a nice one, out of, like, his nice parts and everything, and he needs Pepper's help to, like, switch it out. And at some point, like, so... She comes in. Oh, it's because there was like a copper. There's a wire that's like sticking out. Right.
1: And like he can't fit his hand in the cup
0: to get the wire. Right. So he t- tells her to take it out. But then when he takes it out, he well, it's actually not when she takes it out. It's more like when she pulls on the wire and takes the magnet out. Right. He starts to have what looks like a cardiac arrest. Well, he this, it's not doesn't even look like it. He says it. Yeah, he's like in his usual, like Tony Stark style being like, oh, well, now I'm going into cardiac arrest Um, and all the he's like on a monitor and like all the alarms start going off and all that stuff, which made me think of like, you know, what is like a real life version of something like that, Um, where it's a machine that keeps your heart going or that's for your heart, at least that if somebody were to turn it off would cause a lot of badness. Um, And there is such a thing. This is where you say, yeah, that's so exciting. Really? What is it? (laughs) (laughs) It's called a ventricular assist device, which is actually what I thought this, the arc reactor was when I first saw Iron Man. I I remember when
1: we first discussed this, you were like, yeah, it's like a VAD, right? And I was like, no, remember the shrapnel
0: thing. (laughs) I did not remember the shrapnel thing to save my life. I think, you know, actually... It was almost better when I believed that it was a VAD. Yeah,
1: cuz that kind of makes sense. Like yeah. if you were like, oh, Tony had some in the explosion sustained some kind of injury that gave him like heart failure. And required ventricular assistance. Yeah, and now he
0: needs, because he always talks about how he needs it for his heart. He needs it for his heart. And so right. I'm like, oh, he needs it. because for like, his with,
1: atrial septum. It's diva. for
0: his, I mean, <laughs> so um, really quickly, I'm going to talk about what a VAD is, because there's like a bunch of interesting things that we'll talk about later on. But a ventricular assist device is something that's used in people who have essentially end stage heart failure for a number of reasons. Um, but. Basically, the idea is that it's a machine that helps pump your blood so that your heart doesn't have to do all the work, um, mainly because it can't. Um, And there's lots of different devices, um, and we can put them in in kids that are like little babies, and we can also put them in adults. Um, The bigger ones that you can put in adults are essentially like um, a motor with like a little sucking tube on it that you just sort of plug right into the left ventricle of the heart, typically. And it sucks blood out and puts it through a tube and then deposits it in your aorta so that it can go to the rest of your body. So basically, your body isn't relying entirely on your left ventricle's ability to squeeze blood out to your whole body to get the blood out there. It has this machine to help it along. Um, And so there are some that you can put in, especially for adults, where... You kind of put the machine in. It's all inside the chest. There's, you know, one little line that comes out, which is connected to the battery packs um, that keep the machines going. And you don't have like you don't have to be in the hospital with it. You can walk around the world and like, you know, kind of mind your own business for for children um the reason like you're
1: just like walk around the world and leave us alone <laughs>
0: leave us not leave us alone but like you know you're like hearts like failing usually um you're putting it in a patient that you're listed that is listed or that you will be listing for a heart transplant um because it's not necessarily something that you want to have forever but in adults there are some indications for having it as a what we call a destination therapy, where it's like you're not getting a heart transplant, but you have this device to kind of like help you be more comfortable because you're like dying from something else. Anyways, that's what VADs do. They're really cool. They're um, they do have complications, of course, but um, they're sort of if you want to think about people who are like bionic, like people with VADs are like definitely bionic.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the people with the more obvious bionic parts, like arms and legs and stuff, get more press about it. But vads are, I think, one of the pieces of technology, like, whenever I've seen them, I'm like, I can't believe someone thought to do this. Like, this is really cool.
0: It's really cool. And, like, the ones that we have to use for little babies, because they don't have enough room in their chest, um... For, for a cup for holder, a cup holder. <laughs> um, they don't have enough room in their chest for like. I think Tony is an adult man. <laughs> they don't make any small enough for babies, um, and the mechanism would be challenging. Um, so, in little babies, we use different device, which you have might have heard of, like in. They've, I think, they've talked about it for sure on Grey's Anatomy, um, which is called a Berlin heart. But this is where you know you have one large sort of plastic tube that goes into the ventricle in the heart, sucks out blood um, to the outside of your body uh, onto this little sort of pulsating sucker device, um, a pump, and s- pushes it back into your aorta um, from a large tube that then goes back into your body. So for those kids, yeah. like there's this whole big machine that this is connected. You have to be in the hospital with this. You can't go home. Um, right. but there's a whole big machine and you're, you, you're hooked up to it and you're waiting for your heart. Um, and you can like literally see the VAD pumping on the outside of the body. So,
1: yeah, I feel like, I feel like if people were to have heard of VADs, that's, Possibly the one that they're more likely to hear about because periodically it makes local news. Like yes. every once in a while, yeah. if there's a patient that has one, yeah. um, they'll just be in local news. Like yeah. I feel will like do a story the Berlin
0: heart, that name has somehow like made it around.
1: I don't know. We don't have any perspective on that. Somebody know. tell us if you've heard of that.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. So anyway, so we so we so unfortunately, the arc reactor is not a VAD. No, it um, is for shrapnel. Contrary yeah. to what I have believed for. When did that first one come out, like 2006 or something? Like God, I don't know. More than 10 years. Um, Really? (laughs) So with all the shrapnel that's there, the real thing Tony should be worried about is not having a cardiac arrest if the thing comes out, but like having a huge stroke. Yeah, and
1: destroying his brain. Really genius brain.
0: Yeah. So the idea is like there's these pieces of shrapnel that are in presumably his large arteries, like his aorta. And that the magnet needs to be there to hold them in place. But if the magnet is unhooked, then those pieces of shrapnel will just follow the blood. And the worst place that they could go is your brain, which is like the first place that they can go after leaving your heart, essentially.
1: I mean they don't go to your atrial septum? That's not the worst problem. If
0: they went to your atrial septum, you have bigger problems. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if you have bigger problems. I feel like if it got stuck in your atrial septum, like that's not the worst thing that could happen.
1: Yeah, that's it's like one of those things that it's like, sure, you don't want metal stuck in your atrial septum (laughs) if you could avoid it. But there are worse things.
0: Yeah. So the thing that Tony should be worried about is one of those pieces of metal traveling up into his brain and giving him a stroke. Do you think Um, he's on blood thinners? Definitely not. (laughs) He doesn't take any medicine. He just needs an arc reaction. He drinks smoothies and
1: stuff. Yeah, he got healthy after the cave situation. Oh,
0: my God. But yeah, so that's what he should be worried about. Okay. so anyways, in terms of having this, you know, the arc reactor sits in a cup holder, which is a large metal object. Um, And then somewhere in there is a magnet, I presume. I think in the second in the like new arc reactor, the one that he makes like when he gets out, I think he like he probably includes the magnet in the like. In the whole rig somewhere. Right. Because you don't see him because Pepper takes the magnet out and doesn't put it back yeah, in. And
1: in yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um uh, we thought about other things it's, that can yeah, happen. It's either
1: built in or for some reason it doesn't need it because magic. I don't remember what he says about it's
0: it. Electromagnets, something yeah. something, plasma. I don't know. It glows blue, <laughs> which means it's good.
1: You know, the yeah. usual things.
0: Yeah. So yeah. we thought about what it would be like to have Different types of metals just like sitting in your body.
1: Yeah. And this becomes a problem in the later Iron Man movies because it's one of the reasons why Pepper's really urging him to get it removed is because he starts getting, oh, yeah. they he say, starts,
0: palladium poisoning. He gets like um, really gross and veiny.
1: Yeah. Which isn't really what would happen. But that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. So so one, palladium poisoning isn't really a thing because palladium is pretty inert so like, as far as I could tell when I did my lit search, I like there there's like no cases of, of palladium, palladium toxicity okay and there's no there's no like I don't even know that there are compounds necessarily that are particularly poisonous. Like when you're with exposed palladium. To palladium, yeah, okay. So, in the same Gizmodo article that um kind of talked about the arc reactor towards the end, he mentions that possibly what they're referring to is poisoning from palladium decay because that's one of the ways that the arc reactor could like how it functions, yeah. Um, and palladium decay results in rhodium and silver, and in theory, those things could poison you, um, and so. In general, this kind of led me to thinking about heavy metal poisoning, which isn't something that we see a lot of, um, particularly in pediatrics, because a lot yeah. of heavy metal poisoning is related to, like, exposure in your job, which is usually, like, factory jobs or mining yeah. or, like, or, like, uh, like industry kind really of stuff. Or, like,
0: you do really see it in, like, developed countries. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Um So... I'm going to get to rhodium and silver, but they're actually less interesting than some of the other heavy metal poisonings that I kind of want to talk about. So, in general, not all heavy metals are bad. Like you do need small amounts of heavy metals, yes. to function. Particularly things like zinc and selenium and copper and iron. Like those things are iron, actually Like with the
0: capital I. Yes, iron is very good for you. Yes, it is I mean, good to be an iron man. <laughs>
1: That's terrible. No, I should like have that. anticipated that you would do that in this section, but I didn't. There's a reason he's me. not
0: called Selenium Man. Let's just put <laughs> it that way.
1: Possibly because nobody would know how to say that. I guess. Probably
0: Zinc Man. Zinc Man. Copper Man. Copper Man could have maybe taken off. I don't know. Anyway,
1: Copper Man. Anyway, so you do need some of that for just general body functioning. Like it actually causes problems if you don't have any of those metals. Um, it's more when you accumulate them in larger concentrations, generally over a, a long period of time, that it can cause poisoning or toxicity. Yeah, um, And the most common ones that people will see, like that humans are exposed to, are lead, mercury, arsenic, and cadmium. Um, and for pediatrics, lead is kind of the most common thing. Because... Yeah. Uh, For kids, they're particularly susceptible to lead poisoning, which can affect their development. And lead is pretty common in like house paint from older houses and older buildings. Um, And then also like if you're an adult and you work in home renovations or auto repair and stuff like that um but the most common sources of exposure are basically lead based paint in really old buildings or groundwater like lead pipes and stuff which yeah, was one the of the issues that flint michigan had
0: yeah and the thing the the reason you don't hear about like lead poisoning in adults um is because the we really focus on lead in children because in older people having a high level of lead like might give you some sequela like a headache or might make you just kind of, like, feel a little bit bad. But for kids, the lead can deposit into your, like, developing neurons. Yeah. Um, And you can have, like, actual developmental delays and disabilities. Like,
1: permanent developmental delays. Yeah, like, forever.
0: So, um, lead if you are bored is a really interesting story and shows you like the intersection of like public health and medicine, because it's like a problem that was entirely created by like industrialization and also like entirely essentially fixed in a way by public health measures and medicine. So,
1: Mercury has actually a pretty similar story so those two metals if you were curious about like uh, medical history and public health kind of stuff are pretty interesting stories but mercury is the other thing that like we don't see as well okay one more thing about lead so like in kids because it's so important to monitor like if they're being exposed to it because you want to intervene as early as possible lead screening is actually routine. Yes. In like pediatrician's office, just like when you go to your pediatrician at certain milestones, one of the things that we do is take blood and screen for
0: lead. Yeah. Like no matter where you live, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> that's get. like a
1: national just like guideline yeah. for pediatricians. Um, so mercury is the next, probably next most common thing that people think about in terms of heavy metal poisoning. And the most common source of mercury exposure is still... Like industrial stuff, but the thing that you hear the most about is is people eating it because what about it's in
0: fish. People eating thermometers.
1: I haven't heard of people <laughs> eating thermometers recently because they don't really make mercury, mercury thermometers, thermometers yeah. anymore. It's thankfully,
0: it's still like old thing to think about mercury well, I thermometers. Remember when we
1: were learning about mercury poisoning, I don't remember who I was talking to. It might have been one of the toxicology like lecturers that came in. They were talking about how when they were younger, they used to break them open. And like roll the mercury around in their hands because it is liquid at room temperature. Yeah. So it's like really cool because it's like a liquid metal.
0: Yeah, no, I did that at home. What? Like we had a thermometer, like we had a mercury thermometer and it broke. And my dad was like, well, let's just look at this fun thing now because it's Quicksilver and it yeah. like balls up and it's a really like, it's cool. But I was like, are you, can you just handle mercury <laughs> with you your hands? Are you allowed
1: to do that? The answer is no, don't do that. <laughs> People do not do this. I definitely did it. Because the other thing about that is, like, you can't see it, but at room temperature, when it is liquid, it is also giving off mercury fumes, and you're inhaling yeah. those things. Yeah. So, like, not only are you absorbing it through your skin, but you're also inhaling a lot of fumes, which is not great. I mean, the amount
0: um, that's in a thermometer is probably not too bad, but I don't recommend doing it.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know how much is in a thermometer, so I don't want to comment. I want to say any mercury Is probably bad. There's a lot of
0: interesting videos on YouTube of people playing with mercury.
1: And mercury, I'm I'm pretty sure, is one of the heavy metals that you do not need. So, like, don't expose yourself to mercury. (laughs) Um, But the place where, like, the vast majority of people are going to get exposed is fish. Like, if you eat fish, particularly fish that are higher up in the food chain. So, like, tuna is a big one and swordfish. Those fish have higher levels of mercury, and that's one of the reasons why people recommend, like, limiting your intake of those types of fish. Yeah. Um, And if you do get exposed to a lot of mercury – so, like, there was historically um, exposure in a felt hat-making industry. Right. I don't know what they use mercury for in in felt hat-making. I didn't dig that deep. Yeah. But it it resulted in basically memory loss – Um, excessive shyness, abnormal excitability (laughs) and insomnia. And they called it mad hatter syndrome okay, because it like affects with your concentration and your emotional control. So like people were very labile. Um, and then it basically just does a lot of bad things to your nerves. So you end up having like motor control issues and things like that.
0: Yeah. It's no bueno. There's certain, um, like certain diets that people go on. Um, like if you're trying to do like a, you know, low carb diet or something like that, Um, where they'll warn you like don't replace like don't eat fish three meals a day right uh because you could get like people who are like oh
1: i don't want to i want to like cut back on red meat and fish is healthy for you yeah so So, and then and then people usually usually (laughs) eat tuna yeah you're like don't do that don't do that just don't do that um so the other two are arsenic and cadmium so arsenic is mostly like mostly people get exposed through groundwater contamination yeah and it is it is not a very good – it's not a good time. It is very it's bad. It's very bad. Arsenic so it poisoning
0: is very bad. It's
1: very bad. And it inactivates like, so many different enzymes, many of which are critical in, like, cellular energy and then, yeah. like, DNA synthesis and repair.
0: Yeah, so it's like – it goes – it's not just like, oh, we're depositing into your nerves and making things hard. It's like we are going to the source of your power and <laughs> yes. shutting it down.
1: And you will have no – I mean, and it's not like – You'll have no energy in terms of fatigue. It's like you'll have no energy, and your cells don't work anymore. And you
0: won't be able to breathe. And you'll or just anything. everything will start breaking down. It will be bad.
1: Interestingly, though, there are <laughs> compounds of arsenic or derivatives that are used for treating leukemia.
0: That's
1: um, yeah, but those but are for the those ones, reasons, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, for those exact reasons, and those are the ones too that, like, when you see that someone is on it, you have to start thinking about like, how is it affecting their heart? How is it affecting their kidneys? And you really start thinking about like all of the side effects because it is not great. It's like a little bit of a scorched earth approach.
0: Yeah. Kind of. And if you are interested in arsenic, I would recommend seeing the play Arsenic and Old Lace because it's very funny.
1: I love that you have so many like relevant things for people to go like. I don't know look that Arsenic and Old Lace metal. is particularly relevant, although there
0: was also an episode of CSI where the way that the guy was like killing other people was by contaminating their water with arsenic
1: i think that's like every crime show every crime someone is poisoning somebody period. with arsenic yeah just like there's always an episode where it's arsenic
0: yeah and so. it's like why are all these people dying where we are can't you getting all out? this arsenic one. and then it's like the killer only drinks bottled water in his own home and it's like oh <laughs> i see <What? laughs>
1: Um, and then cadmium is the last one that's like the most commonly found in people. And and that one is particularly through industrial exposure. So if you work yeah. in like mining um, some kind of paint, like industrial paint stuff, and then like battery manufacture, that's really where you would get exposed to it. Um, or cigarette smoke, like yes. is the other really common place yes, where people are will bad. inhale cadmium. Um, and it is a carcinogen, which means it can lead to cancer. And then it is particularly nephrotoxic, which means that it really affects your kidneys and can result in kidney failure. It's bad. Which is not great.
0: So being a minor is not great. And that's M-I-N-E-R. Because (laughs) you are most likely to have exposure to all of these things things. and, like, inhale them them in their, like, natural state. So, like, this is why it's important for, like, minors to have, like, occupational exposure protection.
1: Yeah, what is that called?
0: I don't remember. PPE Person, personal yes, protective personal equipment.
1: equipment. Okay. Um okay, so the, none of those are what Tony Stark hypothetically could have because so the breakdown of palladium like we talked about is probably silver and rhodium. And so silver is kind of interesting. Silver overexposure doesn't have a lot of it has like some health effects but not a lot, but the biggest thing that it does which is the most interesting and notable that you might have actually seen in real life is it causes you to turn blue gray
0: yeah like straight Um, up your skin so that seems like what they're trying to say with iron man is having
1: yeah yeah and that's called argyria because ar
0: is it argyria it's not argyria i don't know i say gyria
1: okay it's like i don't know Nobody asked me about this. I've never so, seen it. So what happens is your your skin, your nail beds, your the whites of your eyes, and your internal organs, which you wouldn't know about unless you had surgery, but all of those things turn blue-gray. And it's because of the silver salt deposit. Like when especially when you are in the sun, it causes the silver salts to turn silver. And then that color, coupled with like your usual coloring, makes you kind of gray. Yeah. Um, the place where we see this, because this is actually something that I've seen, particularly in adults who, like, visit the hospital, and invariably, they all take colloidal silver, yes. which is something that you might have seen in, like, probably the alternative medicine section of uh, grocery stores, and it's marketed as, like, a dietary supplement for immune system stuff, like helping you fight infections. And a
0: lot of, yes, and a lot of, um, I I, so when I was in medical school in Kentucky... Um, the use of silver as like an antibiotic was like a known thing that you would ask about, especially for people that live in like more rural places, because that was like Mm. a thing. And like the stories that you hear of like people getting, you know, bad silver, like poisoning or whatever from using colloidal silver are usually people over the age of about 60. Um, Mm. and so when they were younger, it was like normal to use silver as an antibiotic
1: right and it's like a it's kind of like a folk medicine thing yeah. like it's rooted in history but it's also been co-opted a bit by like alternative medicine stuff yes. as like something to recommend um and there's no like the general medical community does not recommend colloidal silver for anything cuz there's no evidence that it actually helps and then it also interacts with like several antibiotics and thyroid medication and obviously can turn you blue gray so it's like don't do that um the other thing about the argyria that's kind of interesting is even if you stop taking colloidal silver yes, you'll stay blue you'll stay blue gray that's yeah. permanent now like you cannot make that go away um there's I think people have done some studies where they, like, take a survey of a lot of people who take silver. And the the only kind of consistent uh, systemic kind of symptoms that they've found are GI distress, so, like, nausea, vomiting kind of stuff. And then maybe worsening night vision because the silver does deposit in your eyes and that can affect the your lens vision. and stuff in your vision. All right. um, but otherwise, like, there's no... I couldn't really find any like consistent reports of silver toxicity resulting in like multi-organ failure or like anything like that. Yeah. Um, and then rhodium is, there's basically like no information about rhodium <laughs> toxicity. It's similarly to palladium. It's like an inert metal. So it's actually pretty harmless in its elemental form. Yeah. Um, there have been some studies in animals and it seems like it might produce respiratory symptoms and maybe some like central nervous system uh, symptoms, but there haven't really been any cases at least that I could find of rhodium toxicity in people. Um, If you were to be exposed to it, it would also be kind of like industrial. Like it's, it's used in the production of fiberglass and then it's also used as a catalytic converter. So like for exhaust emission control, it's used to convert some of the more harmful, Oh, right. uh, exhaust elements into less harmful
0: things so rhodium sounds great <laughs> yeah.
1: the uh general treatment for any kind of heavy metal poisoning is is pretty similar it's like one stop exposing yourself to the metal take
0: your hand out of the vat of mercury
1: <laughs> yep stop playing with thermometer mercury stop
0: breathing the mercury
1: yep um, even eliminate- though it looks cool it's shiny <laughs> yeah,
0: and it's liquid even
1: though it's probably really fun to play with like i've seen video you can see on youtube there are videos of people like old videos of people playing with mercury and yeah it looks fun it but looks just cool. live vicariously through them don't go do this yourself
0: do not do um, it um
1: so it's don't expose yourself anymore eliminate whatever metal is circulating so usually that means like trying to flush it out of your system through what we call diuresis which is making you pee a lot yeah and then and inactivating <laughs> yeah inactivating uh whatever metal is bioavailable. And so usually you do that through what are called chelating agents, which basically are are chemicals that bind to the metal that then allow it to be like peed out, yeah. excreted somehow. Um, and then you just provide a lot of symptomatic support for whatever else, like whatever symptoms people have. But the problem with chelating agents is that they tend to be pretty toxic to your liver and your kidneys. Yeah, so and you got to then- watch it. Yeah, and then um, and then like coupled with the fact that you're trying to diurese them, so you're trying to make them pee a lot. You're also putting a lot of strain on the kidney. But um, and then the other big thing is that chelating agents cause a lot of oxidative stress. So what that means is like the production through all of the chemical reactions that the chelating agent is doing, it causes free radicals, which are just like uh, chemicals with a reactive oxygen group. on
0: them and they just damage your cells they just damage
1: cells and disrupt cell signaling and like this is why everybody talks about eating antioxidants like blueberries and stuff like that is to counteract oxidative stress which is kind of like a normal process that your body undergoes but you don't want to accelerate it and you don't want like a lot of it because it's not great for your cells um with the caveat for the heavy metal poisoning treatments that cadmium toxicity actually doesn't have any kind of solution right now like there's nothing that works
0: (laughs) there's no solution um, do not eat batteries
1: so please don't eat batteries um if you work in mining and stuff please wear your ppe it's important
0: (laughs) all right okay so that's all i have about iron man was suffering very severe symptoms from something something (laughs) that we cannot identify it turned
1: it turned some of his chest veins really blue it it turned
0: his veins blue but like his superficial yeah you're right his i think it would have been hilarious if
1: if they just made him blue gray like from the skin he was just kind of blue gray
0: there's like a scene of the first iron man where like the what's his name the jeff bridges character like uses like a thing that can make you short-term paralyzed and for some reason that makes his skin turn a little gray (laughs) it's like okay this is weird um okay Shall we go to the resident lounge? Yeah. All
1: right. So the resident lounge is where we kind of talk about interesting things that we came across during our research. Um so my my thing that I found which is it's a little bit of a downer but it's kind of interesting is this artist named I think Jillian Genser. I don't I'm not probably not saying her name correctly. Um she wrote a piece for the Toronto Life website called my beautiful death about heavy metal poisoning. And she's an artist that works with like natural found materials. So she mm. works a lot with muscle shells specifically. Okay. And just through the process of building all of her like super intricate, interesting, like anatomical sculptures, like full body with like organs and stuff made of shells and things like that. Um, She was grinding up muscle shells And handling them basically every single day for hours upon hours a day. Okay. And over the years, basically got arsenic and lead poisoning. Arsenic and lead from the mussels? From the mussel shells. Because, like... The muscle shells were collected from this area that that ultimately they found out had a lot of runoff from, oh. from factories and stuff. And so,
0: so she, the muscles were dying and then she was dying. And then she was dying oh and she gosh.
1: developed all of these like crazy neurological symptoms. Well, not crazy, but like the neurological symptoms you would expect where she kind of like was losing time, had insomnia, had like some personality changes and things like that. And nobody could diagnose her for like years because they would be like, are you being exposed to anything toxic? And she would be like, no, like, cause she works with, she was thinking like, Oh, I'm working with like shells and stuff. She's like, I'm not using
0: chemicals. Yeah. Yeah. And so
1: like, I don't remember in the article, I'll link the article in the show notes, but I don't remember um, how they finally came up with like testing her for heavy metals. But, but by the time they did that, I mean, she had permanent like nerve damage and Mm. stuff. Um, The article that she wrote about it has pictures of her artwork, which is like her artwork is really cool
0: okay but (laughs) but it was not worth the poisoning i
1: don't think it was (laughs) worth it but it's an interesting it's like one of those interesting things where it's like you wouldn't think you wouldn't think about that like i can totally see why you would not think oh i'm getting heavy metal poisoning from the shells the sea creatures yeah you know
0: yeah all right well my thing that i was thinking of which i alluded to earlier was that they always describe the arc reactor and they show it in Iron Man as being plugged into something. And I could not for the life of me figure out what it needed to be plugged into. Like, it's not connected. (laughs) It seems like the way that the cords look, it looks like it might be connected to some kind of, like, computery type device. Like, it's got a transmitter or something. It has contact gel in there, too. Which, like, might make some sense. Yeah, there's all this gel in there for when Pepper, like, takes a magnet out. um, And then, like, she when she plugs it in she puts in like an even bigger cord that is like (laughs) that it plugs into and i'm just like this thing is supposedly like a self-sustaining source of like a lot of energy so like it's not plugging into an electrical supply like it was when the magnet was just attached to a car battery um it's not plugged it doesn't seem to like the only other thing is like is it to plug into the suit but that's not the case either because like yeah
1: because the plug runs inside. Goes into
0: his body so that didn't make a Maybe lot of sense
1: it plugs into all of the liquid cooling that got installed that you can't see
0: okay don't even <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense
1: does any of this make <laughs> any <sense>? <laughs> <laughs>
0: no um but yeah so i just i watched like all of the videos over and over, and I was like, I still don't know why it needs to be plugged into something. Um, And then the other last thing was that Iron Man for, is I think in my top two of the Marvel, at least like the Marvel Cinematic Universe superheroes. Mm. Um, And part of the reason was that Tony Stark himself is a MIT graduate like me. (laughs) And I will point out that in the first Iron Man, they have a very nice touch, which is that he wears a, um, what we, it's called a brass rat, but it's a, it's a class ring essentially that you get at MIT. Um, And it's called, our uh, mascot is the beaver, which is nature's engineer. Um, And then, so (laughs) it's like the featured, thing in the middle of the ring. And so we call our rings a brass rat.
1: Did you know that um there is a gland that the beaver possesses that was responsible for most of the natural vanilla flavoring that people had for like years up until recently. Really? Yep.
0: It wasn't just vanilla. <laughs> well I mean there was
1: vanilla but then like you know how sometimes when you look on packaging it says like natural vanilla flavoring? Yeah. Now it's like extracts of other stuff, but it used to be extracted from this very specific beaver gland.
0: Oh, so it wasn't vegetarian. No. Oh. Huh. How interesting. I learned that recently. See, beavers are excellent. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's write our discharge summary.
1: Okay. So this is our actual review of the thing that we talked about today. Um so for me, I mean, I do think that the arc reactor as an idea is interesting. Um, but it has, like, I think the part that annoys me is the fact that, like, you could have made it a VAD or something like that, um, and the whole shrapnel thing is just, like, so nonsensical, (laughs) like, I really just don't, I get stuck on the shrapnel thing. I get stuck on the shrapnel, yeah. but, on the other hand, I like Iron Man and I like the franchise, so I will give it three out of five car batteries.
0: Three out of five car batteries. So, I agree with what you said, so I think... The actual premise for needing the thing is like really flimsy. Um, It doesn't really like it doesn't have a purpose in the rest of the story either. Like he could have had an arc reactor to keep his heart going. Right. Um, And so but I similarly love Iron Man. I love that that character talks a lot about the interface between like technology and like what do you use it for? Especially in the first Iron Man when a lot of it is about like using your technology for like. Good versus bad, and like what do those things even mean? Mm -hmm. Um, so I will give it, I will give the shrapnel zero out of five (laughs) magnets connected to nothing.
1: Are you gonna give it multiple ratings? And
0: I will give Iron Man as a whole five out of five Tony Stark brass rats. I feel
1: like you have to average your ratings. All
0: right, three out of five Tony Stark (laughs) brass rat magnets connected to nothing.
1: Nice, okay. Well, that is our show. Thanks for listening
0: and we'll see you next time.
1: Thanks for listening to Docs Watch. You can subscribe to our medical ramblings on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at @docswatchpod or visit us at docswatchpod.com.